0: Spire.
1: Welcome back to Starting Now. I'm your host, Jeff Saris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs to reveal the unexpected paths to entrepreneurship. Today on the show, I am talking to Pippin Williamson of Sandhills Development, and sandhills brewery easy digital downloads uh, the list goes on the main his main company is sandhills development and at sandhills what they've done is they've built uh wordpress products uh, plugins and various things to help you start your business make money online and get rolling on um your next idea he's also done so much more beyond just the products themselves he has a wonderful philosophy of hiring how to treat employees really well and he's also started a brewery a physical retail location brewery he has a couple locations for that and he's into not only real estate but using real estate as a conservation practice not buying um, just a retail space or buying a physical spot and building it up to sell but actually conserving land for the future. He's. This is a wonderful conversation and um, he's just an awesome person that I think you're really going to, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Like as always, I feel that way, but I think you're really going to appreciate just Pippin as a person. He's, he's approaching business well. So that's enough, enough for me for now. Without further ado, let's dive right into my conversation with Pippin. So let's dive right in then to sure, Sandhills, man. and uh, so how would you just sort of give the little rundown of what Sandhills is, what you do, the because you sure. you cover a lot of things, not just digital, not just the brewery, right? Um,
0: yeah. So Sandhills Development, uh, in you know the short version is we are a software company that produces um, primarily e-commerce focused WordPress products. So we built a series of WordPress plugins to help. Um, mostly small business owners, um, anybody from like a, a solopreneur up to, you know, a multi-person company, you know, hundreds of people, dozens of people, et cetera, we build products, to help them run their companies. So we kind of consider them to be foundational products. So, you know, running your e-commerce store, running your affiliate program, running your membership system, uh, taking payments, almost everything we do is related to taking payments with the exception of our event calendar plugin called sugar calendar, um, And so that's that's where everything started. That's where we got our start was building products like that. Um, Today, we're a little bit more diversified like that is still our bread and butter. Uh, But we also uh, own and operate a brewery. So we started Sandhills Brewing. Um, We started working on about four years ago and then it it actually opened two and a half years ago. and then we also do a little bit of real estate. Um, so we've, we've got several properties, um, primarily commercial, um, as well as some, uh, nature conservation properties. Um, and kind of our, our long-term goal is to enjoy things that, you know, enjoy the work that we're doing and hopefully make improvements in people's lives. Um, you know, ultimately that's kind of the goal.
1: Yeah. And so today like-
0: we're, uh, Twenty-seven people, distributed all around the world. Uh, well, twenty-seven people in Sandals development, and then that doesn't count the brewery. The brewery is another about fifteen people. Um, with the exception of the brewery, one hundred percent distributed. Uh, so we're in numerous different countries and all around the U.S.
1: Yeah, and you've really, you've really sort of showcased who you are through the things you're doing. That I mean, you're doing philanthropic things, like you said, the nature um, mm-hmm. conservation and. I just I I love your approach to business, and that's why I really wanted to talk to you. I want to dive into a bunch of things with like how you've approached hiring and the nature and um, approach to conserving nature and whatnot. I wanted to start with uh, problem solving though, because I sure. think there's a very specific uh, type of entrepreneur. Like I am, I definitely fit in this role, and I know you've written about it as well. Where problem solving is what really brings you alive, and I feel the same Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Like, Yeah. That's what makes me come alive. Like at the start of the day, I'm like, oh, I need to, I want to solve this. This is so exciting. Where would you say that uh, comes from for you?
0: um, I think some of it is probably genetic. Uh, You know, there are, there's, everybody is different, but there are people that something about their physiology, physiology just makes them want to solve problems. Like that's the thing that makes their brain happy. I am definitely that way. Uh, My dad is that way too. My brother is that way. Um, My sisters, maybe a little bit, not as much. Um, And then some of it I think is also, you know, about the environment that you, you live in and like environment that I was raised in, for example, was uh, we were always, we were problem solving with, uh, even as like young kids, my dad would involve my brother and I um, in whatever the problem was when it's like, in terms of like maintenance everything from plumbing to construction etc so like oh the you know the drain lo- line broke under the sink well guess what i'm going to show you how to fix it uh and it's so like we, everything was always hands-on uh we always just kind of solved problems ourselves to the best of our ability um so that had a lot to do with it but uh problem solving is definitely where i have fun like that's the the reason that our software products exist today was because we were trying to solve problems that we were having um, some of those problems were ones that like I kind of created for myself and then worked to solve it myself. Cause like Sandhills development started by, I was just building these, these little software products for, for WordPress. And, uh, I was just, you know, kind of building anything and everything. I didn't really have a purpose or a particular kind of problem I was trying to solve. Um, and then I started selling them. And at some point I realized I needed a better platform to solve, to sell them because I was, I was starting to have problems. I didn't have access to my customer data. I didn't have control, et cetera. And all of those, what know, were depending the reasons? on the lens that you look at them.
1: What were the what, reasons you didn't, were didn't were have reasons? access? Yeah. Because I,
0: so when I first started selling uh, WordPress products, I was selling on the code Canyon marketplace run by Envato. And so basically it was this other, this marketplace that somebody else ran. And so I was beholden to their rules. Um, and one of those rules was I didn't get any access to customer data. They took a commission, you know, I didn't have a ton of control over pricing and stuff like that. Uh, and so, you know, those were, you know, depending on the lens that you look at it through a problem. And so I wanted to solve those problems. And so I built a product to do it. Um, and that's all of our products were a result of some kind of problem. Um, and even, even today we still do it that way. I mean, our most recent example is, uh, we've built this thing called the payout service. one of our main products is an affiliate program. So it's it's called AffiliateWP and it allows people, uh, business owners, to set up and run their own affiliate program. Um, and part of running an affiliate program is keeping track of commissions. So when an affiliate, you know, promotes your product or service and you have to reward them and you give them, you know, $5, $20, whatever it is. And then at some point you have to pay them. Well, it turns <laughs> out that paying them is actually really hard.
1: It absolutely is. Like
0: <laughs> Uh, you know, like for some people it's, it's easy, like you and I, we both live in the United States. And so, uh, you know, we can, I can send you a PayPal payment. I can, uh, you know, you could have a Stripe account you could, I can mail you a check. You know, there's lots of different ways to do it. Uh, there is some, you know, bank to bank transfers, depending on what bank you use, or what bank I use. But what if you extrapolate it out and you go all over the world and, uh, maybe you have limitations, you can't use PayPal or you have currency conversion issues, or like all of these different challenges. Those were all problems that our customers were experiencing and that we were experiencing. And so we built this thing called the payout service that just takes care of all of it and makes it dramatically simpler. We wanted to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think problem solving is absolutely, it's not everybody's entrepreneurship method, but it's definitely mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, I live in the same exact uh, world in in that regard. Um, I want to talk about Affiliate WP then a little bit because the problem sure. you solved there was a major one in that there wasn't a good product that people could use within the WordPress ecosystem to run an affiliate program. But yep. then I love that you went from there and then added the payout service because arguably it created another it it revealed another problem.
0: Absolutely. You know, we, we solved part of the problem, but there it's it's always more complex than just, you know, what's the first the the surface problem. There's always more to it. Um, yeah, at the time we were, um, we were, we built all of our, some of our other existing products and they were doing well and we were running an affiliate program using another tool that was already out there uh, and we were just having a rough time with it. Um, but that was also the same tool that we were recommending to our customers. So our customers were having the same sets of problems that we were. And and one day I, I just remember like we, we ran into another problem with it and discovered a huge data discrepancy and realized like, I don't even know what these people are supposed to be paid. I don't know how much they've earned. Have we overpaid them? Have we underpaid them? Like, it doesn't give us any level of confidence. And I just, like, threw my hands up in the air. I was like, fine, I'll just build it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, sat down, and, and I think within 30 days, we had a working, working tool. Um, and, uh, you know, it grew from there. It's now our biggest product by far. Um, it, uh, at, the t- at that time, Easy Digital Downloads was our bread and butter. Um, but affiliate WP is, uh, more than two X easy digital downloads now. Um, and, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which actually I want to talk about that as well then. So the revenue for easy digital downloads versus, cause you are open, like if you're comfortable talking about, it, I know you've written about oh, totally. it in your year end. Okay, cool. Um, the customer base, the amount of people in the easy do- digital downloads ecosystem is, massive compared to affiliate Mm -hmm. WP, but you've taken different approaches to revenue. And I feel like you learned from EDD and then applied it maybe. Um, If you can talk a little bit about that and what you've learned in the process. So
0: when we uh, we were first launching our products, uh, EDD or Easy Digital Downloads was one of our earlier ones. And we didn't really know how to best sell it. Like we didn't know what the pricing models were. We just... Um, kind of like what most people do is we just kind of followed what the other models that were out there. So we adopted what's called the uh, the freemium or the add-on model, where basically we give away the, the, ba- the core chunk of the software for free. And then we build premium a- upgrades or add-ons that, you know, you pay $50 for that one, $20 for that one, $100 for that one. And then you build a large catalog of these a la carte upgrades. And or, at that time, this is about 10 years ago, no, uh, no, no. Sorry, not that. Not, not Quite long ago. Uh, eight years ago. Um, that was kind of considered the default, the best, um, and everybody kind of followed it. Well, w- we all, and in this case, we all being most of the WordPress community, especially the the uh, kind of the earlier players, realize like there's a lot of problems with that. So, a couple of the problems, uh, just as a quick examples, is there's this thing called the tyranny of choice, which is basically uh, it's the same thing that restaurants encounter. If you give a customer a huge list of options to pick from, they get paralyzed and it, it's difficult to make a choice. You know, if you've ever gone to a restaurant menu and you have 10 pages and you don't even know what to order. And so finally, you're just like, okay, I'll just take the safe one. I'll just take the thing that I'm familiar with. Uh, super common. Uh, so if you give customers too many options, it's hard for them to understand what the options are and they end up maybe not even picking anything. Um, so that's one problem. Next problem is you can quickly – you can have a perception of nickel and diming because, oh, it's $5 there, $10 here, $20 there, $50 here, $20 there. And, you know, it can be a, a, a big mental hurdle for customers to get over, uh, whether or not the, the, the price point that they ultimately pay for everything is, you know, appropriate. Uh, it just – it's, you know, if you take your wallet out 10 times and spend $10 each time, it actually feels like you spent more than if you spent a hundred dollars one time. It's, you know, psychology is weird. Uh, so that was a problem. Uh, and then it also, there was a lot of maintenance problems with it. Um, because we basically, you know, we have a product, but we have to manage 50 different sales pages. We have 50 different prices, 50 different file downloads. And, and that's, it's really cumbersome. It's cumbersome from a, from a management perspective. It's come, it's from a, Buying perspective, from a customer installation perspective, everything is challenging. So that was the model that we used for a long time. And we were really starting to notice problems with it. When we launched OP, we went with a different model. We basically said, there are three price points. You pick A, B, or C, and that's it. Um, and then, you know, if you pick, uh, you know, if you pick the higher tier, you get more features, but you you still only have to make one choice. You only have to pull your credit card one time. Uh, and it worked so much better. It was better from our perspective. It was better from the customer's perspective. It was better all the way around. Um, and it also turned out that it, it because it was better for everybody, people bought it more. We sold a lot more. Uh, we made a lot more money. <laughs> uh, and so it's a model that we have then been, been slowly working on transitioning everything else over to. Uh, We did transition our Restricted Content Pro product, uh, which is formerly ours. We uh, recently sold that to iThemes. uh, And then we did it with another product that we acquired called WP Simple Pay. We acquired that just uh, a year and a half or so ago. Uh, And then um, we've been working on doing that with Easy Digital Downloads. Now, Easy Digital Downloads was a little challenging because we had this huge catalog of premium add-ons and we didn't want to just like completely change it because there are some people that really like the out on model, and you know, then we're gonna, you know, make people angry. Uh, and so we've and been working customer, on doing it.
1: The customer totally, base yeah. there is huge, right? I mean, like, yeah, what kind yeah, of numbers?
0: Uh, it's so w- with EDD, we have a, uh, about eighty thousand active websites running it, and then in terms of customers, uh, it's it's less than that. It's actually a little bit hard to measure because mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day a customer is somebody that gives you money but we all, but but figuring out between you know paid customers versus free users that are going to upgrade it's it's in the the 30 to forty thousand range um yeah, and so you know
1: it's it's a big shift to a number yeah
0: yeah um and, and then you know we have a lot of we have a lot of old customers we have a lot of new customers and so you know, we have, we have customers that have expired. And so maybe they're not currently a paying customer, but they might be in a year. And if we change the pricing model completely, but we make it, uh, you know, if we don't take into account all of the old subscriptions, all the old license keys that are expired and treat them well in our changeover with the pricing model, like they're not, they're not going to come back. Uh, and so keeping all of those things in mind is, is one of the, one of the many challenges of trying to change a pricing model.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, because that is—that's a huge. Um, that can be a huge sticking point for someone, especially if yeah. they've been in the ecosystem for a while. They understand what they own because it is a. There's also um, a subscription model to to pay for support, essentially for mm-hmm. these add-ons. Correct.
0: So it's a uh, every every customer gets automatic support uh, with, Mm -hmm. with their purchase. But we also do offer a subscription for, uh, basically top tier support. You know, we call it priority support. You know, if you want to be put at the top of the, of the support queues, you can pay a little bit of extra per month or per year and you get priority.
1: Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, because there Mm -hmm. are, uh, it's the different levels, just like you mentioned in affiliate WP, different levels of service and access that people are getting. So, in that transition with, with Easy Digital Downloads, what are some of the steps now that you've been able to take and how has that um, worked out for you so far with the customer base? Sure.
0: Um, so we, we've done a, a number of things. One of the first ones that we did uh, is we raised prices. Um, mm. We had a pro- One of the first things that made us realize our problem was basically that our average customer value was too low because we sold too many low price items. Um, and this was four years ago, I think, when we when we did this. Um, we basically doubled our prices overnight. That was a, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, we did some aspects of it, we did very, very well. Other aspects, we didn't do so well. Uh, and we had some challenges that came about with that. And about six months later, we did a little bit of a rollback on some of the prices. We lowered them again. Um, and then what we did is is we worked on introducing what we call passes. Uh, so all of the individual plugins, all of the add-ons, or each individual products are still there. You can still buy any single one, a la carte. Um, but what we did is we... Basically, hid that feature. Like, you have to like click through a couple of screens in order to find it. Instead, when you go to any individual product, it says this. This is available if you buy this or this price. Basically, uh, you know, basically a subscription tier. If you buy tier A, tier two, uh, tier B, or tier C, you get this product, um, and it shows you your three prices. Um, and then we, you know, we introduced a pricing t- page that says here's all of your subscription options, and then to your standard columns with all of the benefits of it. Um, and so we just kind of introduced a new pricing level or a pricing structure, but left the old one there. So that if you were somebody that wanted to pick and choose, you still could. But if you, you know, were a brand new customer, were not never aware of that, and you just wanted the simplest, easy purchase, we gave you kind of the standard experience, um, and that has worked really, really well. Um, and, and now we actually we we still sell add-ons individually. But in terms of like customer activity and what people buy, the vast majority of people buy subscription access now, uh, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we wanted them to do because uh, it's significantly simpler. It's a better experience, easier for them to understand what they're getting, easier for us to manage, um, and yeah, it's it's been a huge improvement.
1: Yeah, and for me, it, I mean, it was it was a great upgrade. It was a few bucks more, but I was already spending. A which one did you upgrade much? to? um i think all access i'm pretty okay, sure yeah. just yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so we we basically we introduced uh we call it the personal pass the professional pass no the personal extended professional and all access so you know the personal passes, you get a couple of you get like mailchimp integration aweber like basically get your esps uh and a couple other little features then on your extended pass you get all of the esps and you also get a couple of gateways so you know stripe integration extra PayPal integration and authorize.net. Then on the professional pass, you get all of those. And then you also get the the bigger ticket items, which are like our software licensing feature, which is, you know, if you sell a software product and you want to manage license keys for it and our recurring payments, if you want to, excuse me, if you want to sell subscriptions and you want to, you know, manage those subscriptions. And then the last level is the all access, which is you get everything.
1: Yeah. That's the beauty is you built these tools. You're using them to sell your products and then mm-hmm. empowering people to build their own businesses. I mean <laughs> so it's really so biblical. that's
0: that's kind of a uh it it's kind of funny that we 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 did all of this because one of the problems that we ran into uh okay so when we launched affiliate wp with with the uh with that pricing model where you just have the four options uh you know your personal your professional your 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 ultimate etc we had to do it completely custom because EDD did not have the ability to do it, uh, and uh, we 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 realized that we had a problem because we didn't have a good way to do it. And then what would happen is our customers would come in all the time. they like, "Hey, what you guys did there is great. How did you do it? Well, we built a <laughs> kind of custom, and I can't really tell you how to do it. Um, here's a couple of tips. And, and so then, like, the next problem was okay, we have to build this in a ready-to-use feature that other people can then you know, use on their own websites. Because at the end of the day, we want our sites to try to be a model of what our products do. Um, and there should not be a feature shown like in terms of the purchasing or the affiliate program or the, the account areas that you see on our site that is not doable with our products out of the box. Because our sites are powered entirely by our products. So, um, and so we we built this, we built a new tool specifically for that purpose to solve that problem. And then we started selling it as another item. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a proof of concept. Like you're using your products as a proof of concept yeah. of what people can achieve. And we've run into that too, because like we sell some WordPress themes and um, there's certain platforms, like one of mm-hmm. our themes we use with our Uh, client, The Minimalists. So it's on their website. We've done a bunch of custom work. They've been using it for a decade. So people are be like, oh, how can I do this one specific thing? It's like, well, I haven't integrated into the theme yet. Yeah, totally. Like you just, you see that happen really quickly. And with the customer base, like you have in tens of thousands of people, I'm sure that happens very rapidly when as soon as you launch something new. Yeah,
0: it happens a lot. Especially because a lot of our customers are very similar to us in terms of, you know, they're also running... WordPress product businesses, they sell a WordPress plugin or WordPress themes. I mean, for example, like what you do, uh, you know, these are, these are businesses that are running off of similar business models, similar customer list, you know, we, I I almost guarantee you that you and I have mutual customers. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's very common for our customers to have, you know, for like what encounter, one of our customers that also sells products to our customers. (laughs) Uh, and so, you know, we want to showcase. What our products can do, but we want to help our customers also achieve the same results.
1: Absolutely, and you've you talked a little bit about um, selling, restrict content mm-hmm. Pro, yep. um, but then acquiring things like WP Simple Pay. How do you approach um, acquisition or purchasing?
0: Um, so we have a. I have a. I have a general rule that I've tried to always follow, um, at least for the last eight or so years. Um, and and that's okay. First of all, we have to acknowledge a very simple truth. I think there are people that don't want to admit this, but it's an absolute empirical truth, truth. And I will die on this hill. <laughs> everything is for sale. Literally everything is for sale at all times, because everybody has a number, you know, you might be building something and say it's not for sale. Yeah. But what about when that person comes and offers you the check that you cannot turn down? So everything empirically is for sale. Doesn't necessarily mean it will be sold or that you're going to seek it out or that you're going to want to sell it. But if you if you recognize that and then also recognize the benefits of building companies and products in a way that they are easier to hand over to somebody else, it's a really good mentality to have in business because what Ultimately, a company or a product that is easy to sell is a well-managed and well, well-run well because your processes are documented, your, your finances are clear, your, you know uh, all of these things that you have to go through if you're going to transfer something to somebody else are in place. So we have always tried to build the mentality that we're going to build a sell. We have no intention of selling our products. We're not looking to sell our products. Like nothing is advertised as for sale. I don't go out and seek buyers, but I recognize that at some point it is, it's not necessarily inevitable, but every company and every product will either sell, they will die over time. You know, they'll slowly dwindle to nothing or they will be handed over to somebody else, you know, through a succession plan or something, you know, passing down to your kids or hand it over to your co-founder or something. And that will happen to every single company, period. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've never been able to come up with a thir- like another op- option. Like one of those three things has to happen. Uh, and so build with a mentality to uh, to be open to the conversation. And so like with Restricted Content Pro, the way, uh, w- the way that happened is we got approached uh, and we weren't looking to sell it. Uh, we, it wasn't something that we were planning to do, but we were open to it. And so when somebody came in, and wanted to have a conversation, we were ready and willing to entertain it. Um, because you never know when when either the price is right or it's the right opportunity. Um, so that's our main mentality. Uh, but in terms of like uh, approaching acquisitions that we go out and seek, uh, I don't really, it's not something I really do. Um, you know, We've done it once or twice, we've considered it a few times. Um, but really only for, for me at least, it's if we have, like a real need. So uh, I can give you two examples. So um, four years ago, maybe no, five years ago at this point, we were running easy digital downloads with an extension marketplace, um, excuse me, where we would allow third-party developers. um, So someone like yourself uh, or anybody else who built WordPress products, uh, they could build a plugin, build an add-on for us, submit it to us and we would sell it through our marketplace. We would take a commission and then we would, uh, you know, we basically take care of the delivery. We'd run a marketplace exactly the same way that like what Envato does. Um, And then at one point we shut that down. We decided it was not something we wanted to do. There was a number of challenges with it. And so we went out and we bought every single third party add-on that was on our marketplace that we wanted to stick around. That's awesome. We did it. uh, It's in, um, it's either the 2016 or 2017 year in review post that I wrote. Um, if you go to, uh, sandhillsdev.com, go to blog, find the 2019 one, um, or potentially 2021, depending on when this goes out. Um, and then just go back in time. Each, every post lists the previous years at the top. Uh, we, we talked about it a lot, but basically what we did is we identified all of the add-ons that we knew that we wanted to own and control. And we bought every single one of them. Um, I think we bought 50, 30 or 50 plugins. Um, but we, we did it for a very strategic purpose is that we wanted to own and control our ecosystem. Um, that was the very first time that we'd ever done that. Uh, and then we bought WP simple pay, uh, about two years ago. Uh, and that was a little bit of a different, um, scenario. We didn't go seeking that one out. Um, it was one that, kind of like the restricted content pro acquisition just kind of happened unexpectedly. Um, actually I was on an interview. We were doing a podcast with, uh, me, Phil Dirksen and shoot. I I don't remember who, who the other person was. Uh, but we were basically having a roundtable conversation about selling your company. And at this time I had never sold, I've never sold anything. Like I had sold a couple of small plugins for a couple thousand dollars, but nothing significant. Um, and uh we were having this conversation about, you know, how do you go about selling your companies? What are things that you should think about? What are the the challenges, et cetera? And after that 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 uh podcast wrapped up, Phil sent me an email. I was like, I think we should work together. You wanna have a chat? <laughs> sure, man, let's have a chat. Turns out Phil Dirksen started uh WP Simple Pay, and WP Simple Pay was one of those products that I'm sure anybody who is a, a product creator has this. There are other products out in the eco, out in the world that you look at and you're like, man, I wish I did that. Like, that is awesome. <laughs> WP Simple Pay was that for me. Like, I'd always look at that like, man, that is such a cool product. Man, I should have done that. And then so when, when Phil uh, reached out and said, hey, I, I would love to, um, you know, here's the challenges I'm having. And I think potentially there is something that we should consider and we should, ta- we should chat about it if you're open to it. And we started the conversation and about six months later, we finished it. Um, it was, it was just one of those that worked really well. It complemented our existing products. It was a product that we already knew and liked a lot. Um, it fit right within kind of the stuff that we do, um, you know, payments and e-commerce and kind of foundational products for businesses. Uh, and so it was, it was great.
1: Yeah. I mean, and do you, did you see it in any way as, um, conflicting with your product line? Because it is, it's so similar, but it's a completely different area.
0: (laughs) So not so much from our customer perspective more from an internal um, so at that time we had once we once we bought wp simple pay we had three products that had some overlapping functionality we had easy digital downloads restrict content pro and wp simple pay all three of them offered integration with Stripe.com for payment processing all of them had kind of a base level functionality. Like all of them would allow you to set up a page on your site where somebody can buy something. Um, But they all had their own little nuances. Like EDD had all of the, 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 uh, digital file delivery post purchase all of the customer records restricted content pro had all of the the recurring payments and the membership management which edd had a little bit of but not as much and then wp simple pay had recurring payments it had one-time payments but it didn't really have customer management um so they all had some overlap the biggest problem was that our development team was now responsible for three different in-depth stripe integrations And, and so it just kind of became a challenge because all three of them were also done differently. They were all three built by different people. Uh, Well, that's not entirely true. I built, I built Restricted Content Pro and EDD initially, but then like they were being managed by different people in our development team. And so they all had their own ways, you know, like EDD worked in Stripe this way. Restricted Content Pro did it this way. WP Simple Pay had a completely different model. And so we just had a lot of conflicting issues with the way that um, like we had to think about our Stripe integrations. Selling Restricted Content Pro allowed us to narrow our focus significantly and remove some of that overlap, um, not only for ourselves internally, but also for our customer base. Uh, EDD and RCP had quite a bit of functional overlap uh, that we would get questions all the time from customers of, I'm not really sure which one I should use. And, And honestly, like sometimes our answer would be, they're both going to do it for you. So it's kind of pick one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when you start solving problems like this, it just, I feel like it's bound to happen because you yeah. weren't necessarily envisioning Restrict Content Pro growing as much as it did, or maybe easy to d- digital downloads either, but both of them need very similar things. Like the only, yeah. in my mind, the thing that differentiated them was always um, the multi-site feature in restrict content pro. So we use that for hosting. And like, that was the big reason that we had both of them. Otherwise all the stuff was built into EDD.
0: Well, like uh, a good example is we have a plugin for EDD called content restriction Mm -hmm. and its entire purpose is to take content on a page and restrict it to a customer. So in order to access that content, you have to uh, buy a product. So a, a very common use case of this was like somebody that sold a product and they wanted to only give access to documentation after the purchase was completed. So we built this little plugin, um, restrict content pro at the time would have served that purpose, but it didn't, it didn't handle one-time purchases very well. It only handled subscriptions. Um, and we had people that wanted to do one-time purchases. So we're like, well, we're kind of in a rock and a hard place. Like RCP can't quite do it. Edd does the payment processing, but doesn't do the content restriction. And so we're like, okay, we'll just build this simple content restriction plugin for Edd. Well then, at some point, somebody comes in and they're like, well, I'm already using EDD. I'm using content restriction. But what I really need to do is I need to sell a recurring payment. Like I need to sell a membership. I need this to process monthly. And so then we, uh, it still didn't make sense for them to use Restricted Content Pro or they couldn't use it for one reason or another. And so at some point, we launched recurring payments for easy digital downloads. And now all of a sudden, we have ongoing membership payments like you would have in Restricted Content Pro as a membership platform inside of EDD that is also taking care of contract restriction. And then if that membership expires or their payment stops working, they lose their access to the content. And now all of a sudden we have this huge overlap of these two pieces of functionality. They can't quite blend together, but they're definitely almost the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it's just the, you know, when you, 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 you kind of, you start here and here you, you from two different angle, uh, two different like core functionality sets. And then as customer requests come in, they slowly creep closer and closer together and they, and they get a lot of overlap. Uh, and so that was, I mean, it was bound to happen and it was continuing to happen. And so, uh, removing restrict content pro from our portfolio kind of allowed us to significantly clarify what we build and to, you know, reduce our, 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 uh, how much, how many things we were giving our attention to.
1: Yeah. Which is awesome. It had to feel a little, um, a little hard to do so too just because yeah. your customer base is like they love i mean because i think of all of your products as you because like i've been sort of following along buying your products since it was just pippins plugins it was you were the developer you were the support you were everything so when restrict content pro went away nothing against the um i themes the company that bought it yep. but it is it's hard it's like no, no no this is pippins like we can't see it go <laughs>
0: No, I I totally get it. And we, you know, we've heard a lot of that feedback. Uh and you know, that's an interesting challenge. Uh, you know, reputation means a lot. Oh yeah. Um and you know, we're never happy to well, okay, we're not happy to hear that somebody's unhappy about the decision that we made. Oh, uh, which sure. we we got. Uh but at the same time, like it's it's hard to not like be a little happy inside because you're like, Oh, the reason you're unhappy is because you're gonna miss us. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's a lot to to manage with the customer base because you don't want them to be disappointed, but it does yeah. show it's one of the only times that I think it's it's really apparent how much people appreciate what you've done. Like, I mean it comes through support and everything, I'm sure, but yeah. when it's like, no, this is this is leaving, it's like, oh no, like I never yeah, said it, but absolutely. I loved it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, one of the uh, the truths about customer support. And, you know, I don't think it matters what industry you work in. If you are in a kind of a, a support facing position, whether it is sales support, technical support, hardware support, software support, at the end of the day, most people come to you when they have a problem. And so you're always kind of like hearing, you know, the bad things that are happening um, or the challenges that are happening. And you don't hear as many of the, the celebrations or the thank yous or the good, or the good things. Like, it's it's just not, it's just not a a super common thing for people to intentionally take time out of their day just to send a thank you message. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time what you hear is, is the negative. But then when something goes away, all of a sudden, like you get this surge of like, Oh no, we really like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. it's Yeah, and I don't want to take too much of your day. So there's one more thing I really wanted to touch on, and sure. it is um your hiring process. So like I mentioned, you started solo as Pippin's plugins and doing things, mm-hmm. but you've written a lot about how you approached how you approached your first hire, how you approach every hire, and how you have made made it a point of building your um, sort of the stockpile of money so you could actually guarantee that you can pay this person that you've promised you're going to hire. Could you, I'd love to just talk a little bit about that.
0: Sure. So uh, we hired our first, uh, I, at that time it was, there wasn't a we, it was just me, uh, mm-hmm. but our first full-time employee in 2013. Um, and he is still with us today. Um, and I had never hired anybody before, uh, with the exception of like, I had done contract jobs, you know, I'd hired somebody, why don't you, you know, come do this little project, or, you know, do a few hours of customer support here and there. But I had never been the sole provider of somebody's livelihood. Like that was just not a thing I had done. And so in, in 2013, I was really nervous about it. Um, I'm I'm a very calculated risk taker, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. risk averse. I don't, I don't like gambles. I don't like, you know, putting all of my eggs in one basket and, you know, hope it works. Uh, and so in order to do that, when we when we first hired that person, his name was Sean. Um, I had decided I will have your salary in the bank before I do it, because I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> and if you're going to commit to me, I want you to know that you're going to be paid. Uh, and then we, we try to continue that for probably the first four to five hires. Um, and, and then at that point, it kind of became a lot less realistic um oh yeah uh but we still kind of keep that mentality of we always have cash on hand um you know we've i i spent the first few years literally not taking a dime out of the company ever i you know i paid myself a salary and we left every single profit in the bank whether that was a super smart decision or a terrible decision you know i probably could have done a some, some investing with it. But at the end of the day, that was what we decided to do because it was a security feature. It was, I want to make sure that we have a stockpile of cash on hand for when shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's unlikely that our revenue will disappear tomorrow. You know, thankfully we are in an industry where that type of disruption is highly unlikely. The the, the the true likelihood is that if something were to were to happen, we'll see we'll see a downward trend, and and we'll have some heads up on it. Uh, but what if tomorrow something disappears? Like 2020 has been, I think, a realization year for a lot of businesses about the possibility of that happening. I mean, oh yeah, in in March when COVID hit, think about every hospitality business that was dead overnight. Um, and if you look at the businesses that were in an industry significantly affected by COVID-19 um, in terms of their revenue disappearing. And you look now at the ones that survived, the ones that survived were the ones that had planned ahead. They, you know, they were stuck. And obviously this is not a, you know, not an absolute rule. There's always oh, exceptions. Yeah. But I think as a general rule, they were the business owners that had put reserves aside. They had taken care to ensure that they have an operating runway. Um, and then you see the ones that, um, haven't survived and either they chose not to have an operating, they chose not to put reserves or they were just never able to, you know, not, not everybody's, the a failure of a business is necessarily somebody's fault. It's, you know, it's, uh, there's lots of reasons for it, but so, so we made it decision. we want to always have an operating runway. So for a long time, I focused on having, if our revenue goes to zero tomorrow, at minimum, we can run for three months at full expenses without without, you know reducing our payroll by a dime is the would be our goal. Uh, and then we tried to extend that out to go six months or a year. Um, and uh, we were able to significantly improve. That was also one of the reasons that we ultimately made the decision to sell Restricted Content Pro. Um, we were in a pretty good cash cash position at the time. Uh, but we realized that keep in mind, like we sold it in June was technically when the deal happened. It got announced in September, but so we're literally in the middle of like, everything is up in the air. No, no one has any idea what the world is doing because COVID is, is wrecking havoc. And we're like, this is the worst time to sell. Like, why would we do this? it is making us money. It is the sales are still coming in and actually it was making more money than it, it ever had. Like the beginning of COVID was actually really good for all of our products. Yeah, it's uh, amazing know, I don't want to benefit did. off of other people's suffering, but every, every, you know, with every kind of crisis, there's always side effects. One of the side effects was that with more people staying home, whether by choice or forced to, a lot more people were looking for side projects. A lot more people were looking at how to move their revenue online. We just so happened to be providing one of those, a series of products that help with that. And our sales surged. Um, And so we were in the middle of negotiating the sale of Restricted Content Pro and all of a sudden sales went, Uh, (laughs) and so then we're thinking like, this is the wrong time to sell. Uh, At the end of the day, we obviously decided to do it. Um, And we did some renegotiating to make sure that everything Like, even if sale, like if that was the new normal for sales volumes, we wanted to make sure that it was still a good idea for us to sell it. But we decided one of the things that made us decide to do it was because it allowed us to narrow our focus and reduce the amount of anxiety and stress on our team in a super stressful time. And it gave us over a year runway in the bank. Um, And so, you know what? That was a pretty nice insurance um to know that our team has to work less hard and their payroll is guaranteed for a year minimum um and so you know that's ultimately what we decided to do but i i I really like that mentality uh when it comes to hiring of there's a down okay there's some downsides to it like for example a lot of people will say you should hire much more aggressively because if you hire aggressively, you take a lot of losses early, you ultimately have bigger wins and there are absolutely cases where that has been the truth. Um, it's not my model. It's never been. Um, ours has always been a much slower uh, hire within our means. Uh, we strive to always maintain profitability. Um, and so unless we re- like, unless we really need to, because of, you know, team workloads struggling, we choose, We usually don't hire unless we can hire that person within our profit margins, um, and and we still pretty well hold true to that today. Uh, we just hired two new people this month, um, so that brings us up to I think seven for the year. Uh, one of them started this week, and one starts next week. Um, and you know, we're still trying to maintain that model. So,
1: yeah, I mean, and how you treat your customers too. It is. I mean, customers, uh, employees. The, the people that you hire, you want them to stick around. You're investing in them, they're investing in you, and you want to uh, do your best to give them an environment where they're gonna like thrive. And like, one Absolutely. of the, I just wanted to run down, you had a little list, you had, wrote about burnout, and you had a list of the things that you want to strive for with your employees that I just think is phenomenal. Allow them to take paid time off whenever needed, require them to take a minimum of five consecutive days off, at least twice per year, a two hundred dollar bonus when you completely unplug from work for a week. Um, encourage employees to work when they wish. Frequent breaks, uh, sharing of struggles, and just calm at work. I feel like more employers could could really benefit from following your model. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's, it feels unheard of, sort of in the modern like business. It's world. definitely not the common. Yeah.
0: Um, so. For anybody who hasn't read it, um, first of all, we are in no way original on this. Uh, you know, we're following um, the footsteps of other people that have done this. Uh, read the book. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's written by uh, Jason Freed and David Hanemeyer Hansen from Basecamp or 37 Signals. Um, and that is like everything you just listed has been things that they have had in their ethos for years. And they've been writing about it. And it's funny because well, actually it's kind of sad, but like they, they share these, these beliefs and how they do it at base camp. And there's always people that come to like, that's radical or that's crazy. You're like, actually it just kind of makes really good sense.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: so definitely read it. It's, I think it's like a hundred pages. It's super easy to read. Um, and I want to give you an example of like why one of the things, why it's super important. Um, you know, a lot of people have, that they, they work in an environment where if they, uh, let's say they, they burn out or they have a medical issue for and they, they really just aren't able to do work for several months, they're going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. What's crazy to me is how often that happens. And we, I don't know if it's employers ignoring it, the world ignoring it, but if we want to look at it purely from an economics perspective, it is so much cheaper to let somebody do nothing for three months than try to replace them, especially if they have years of experience. Um, and so like, just as we have one example, uh, within our team, one of our guys burned out really hard and he burned out. Cause he'd, he'd been working too hard. He'd been working too long and he just needed a break. Uh, and so, you know, work was suffering happiness was suffering. All of it was, and we basically just had a mutual agreement of do what you can, but take as much time as you need. If you need a month, it's fine. If you need three months, it's fine. And guess what? He came back. He got over his burnout, came back happier, happier than ever, more devoted than ever. And we didn't have to retrain somebody in all of the knowledge and experience that that person had which takes years. And you know, this is somebody that had already been working with us for several years and had a really in-depth knowledge of what we do, how we do it, how our products work, et cetera. I can't train somebody to do that in three months. That's just silly. So yeah, you want three months off, take three months.
1: Yeah. And then they know you're in their corner too, because yeah. no one wants to see someone else burning out. I mean, it's, it's so common today just because of the always on go, go, go mm-hmm. world that we live in. But, um, because yeah. you yourself had like had mentioned that you hit a wall with burnout and it took some, I did,
0: it took me a year to get over it.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and like you're at the top. I was, I was
0: practically worthless. Like <laughs> in terms of like my role in the company, like Uh, the way that I'll describe it is I basically did nothing except click the button to make sure that people got paid. Like I processed payroll because that was a mostly monotonous, mindless task that I could do without really thinking about it. But beyond that, like, you know, I would kind of piddle around and do little things here and there, but I didn't do quality work for a year because I burned out. Um, And so we've got to protect ourselves and our team from burning out. It's really important.
1: Yeah definitely um so just real quick how did that is a complete left turn but what was the inspiration for starting the brewery because you're going from digital to the physical physical space Mm -hmm. physical products there's so much over i mean there's a lot of overhead obviously with a big team and support for digital but it is a completely different world in in the physical retail space
0: so there's there was a few things um a couple of them are entirely selfish. Uh, I, I love beer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've lo- I fell in love with craft beer in, oh, I don't know, 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, and I did a deep dive into the world. I learned all about brewing. I traveled all around the world, visiting different breweries, trying beers from all around the world. And, In 2013, I moved to my back to my hometown and there was nothing here and I missed it. I missed having local breweries around me, places that I could go and have a relaxed environment where I could sit down and have a beer or two with friends and just have a nice, chill, casual conversation. It didn't exist. And so I wanted it. So I built it. Uh, I had a problem and I decided to solve that problem. Um, And then so... It was also how I got over burnout um, because the year that I burned out on, on WordPress and the digital side of the business was basically the year that I built the brewery. And so I took a year away from the screen um, with the exception of running payroll and doing, you know, small things here and there. And I built the brewery Um, and we, we approached it with kind of the same mentality that we did hiring in that uh, we're going to do this as financially conservatively as we can. So we built very small, we paid for everything in cash. Um, and we said that we had to be willing to walk away if this doesn't work. And so in order to be be able to walk away, I better not owe anybody any money. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we built it a little bit slowly, took a couple of years to do it. Um, but, uh, it was also one of our, one of our goals was, and this is the same reason that we now, Um, uh, various parts of real estate is we wanted to diversify. Um, So one of my long-term goals is to diversify the company um, because we don't know what the world's going to be like in 10 years. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to have all of our eggs in one basket. Um, You know, it's WordPress isn't going to disappear tomorrow. It, you know, it might be, it might disappear in five years. Not very likely because it's pretty large at this point, <laughs> yeah. but it's possible. Um, or, you know, our industry uh, or the, the products that we build within WordPress could disappear. And, you know, obviously I can't, I wouldn't be able to transition our, our whole digital team over to working in the brewery, number one, because they wouldn't all want to. And it also just wouldn't logistically work for lots of different reasons. But at the end of the day, as a business, we wanted to diversify we will continue to, to diversify. Um, I think it's really, really important. Um, I think it's also really important um, as our teams grow to ensure that we have um, financial leverage and want, like, for example, with, with lenders and banks, um, because let's say that COVID-19 version 2 happens in three years, but its economic impact is different than it was for, for 2020. And the entire software market <laughs> goes down. One of our goals will be to keep everybody employed, keep everybody busy to the best of our ability. And if that means that we have to take on debt to do it, like that is a, I'm not saying that's a door that we're going to walk through, but it's one that we want to make sure is open to us. And so by in basically in taking advantage of a time when we are, Uh, financially comfortable and have extra leeway and investing in, in tangible assets, a brewery, which has a lot of stainless steel equipment, for example, uh, and, and physical real estate, we have leverage with, with financial lenders at this point. And so if we need to get, if we need to bring on debt in order to meet payroll, it's an option. Now it didn't used to be because the truth of the matter is that most, most banks don't understand how, how digital software companies work. They don't really give a shit that you make 5 million a year, Uh because what are they going to take? You have no assets to them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that diversification, that is everything that you're, you're diversifying within your products in terms of like within the line of products, you have different income streams. You have the, you have the brewery, you have the real estate, like that's very valuable because they're all going to contribute to keeping the boat afloat if something happens if like you said if wordpress if that market just dissolves the other parts will hopefully keep you going along with uh lending or whatever it is while you solve the next problem like i mean because there is always going to be a new problem to solve
0: they also give us you know another advantage of diversification is they give you avenues for your team to change gears if they ever Mm -hmm want to or need to. I mean, so, you know, if for example, we have somebody in our team that needs a change of pace, I don't like, you know, our, our options are a little bit limited. Like they want to totally change their industry. Like, but if, if, you know, if one of our, one of our team members came and said, you know what, I'd really like to to work on the real estate side. Like that is potentially an option. Um, and as we continue to diversify more, like that's kind of one of the goals is to allow, to make, make that option available. Um, and, and for myself too, like, you know, the the truth is I'm, I'm a problem solver. I'm an entrepreneur and I need new problems to solve. (laughs) (laughs) And so at some point in order for me to stay motivated, like I have to keep tackling new problems. Um. And so, you know, we, we mentioned uh, real estate a couple of times, like one of the problems that I want to solve is conservation. Not, every, not all real estate is about, you know, uh, rentals or commercial spaces. Some of it's also preserving nature for what it is. That is a problem. That is a problem that I want to work on solving. And like, it's a problem that m- for me mentally gives me a lot of energy. And when I can put that energy there, like it reinvigorates me to work back on the digital side of things. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's a way to keep motivation going too.
1: Yeah. I love that it comes back to supporting your employees. Like you said, like if they needed to pivot, they needed to change. Like you're always, you're thinking ahead on that. You're thinking ahead on the environment. Like I really, I love just the core sort of principles behind your company. Um, So I don't want to take more of your time. We're already, already hit an hour mark. So um, where should we send people to check out everything sure. you're up to?
0: You should go to sandhillsdev.com. So sandhillsdev.com or just Google Sandhills Development and you'll find us.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much again for doing Absolutely. this. It's been a long time. coming. And yeah, hopefully we can maybe have a round two at one point in the future. Sure. Anytime. Awesome. I appreciate it, Jeff. <laughs> take care. You too. I want to thank Pippin for joining me on this episode. Be sure to check out everything he's up to at SandhillsDev.com. Maybe not everything he's up to, but check out his business and all the different products that are really excellent. If you have an online business, if you're starting an e-commerce website or anything like that, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend his products anymore. Definitely check out SandhillsDev.com. As always, this episode of Started Now is brought to you by Built. Built, which is actually a platform powered by Pippin's plugins at Sandhills Development. But at Built, we help you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to built.co. That's B Y L T.co to get started. Built, your website, built for you simply. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Also, be sure to check out the video version on YouTube, which is Sort of my favorite version version of the show. And that'll do it for this week. Again, I'm Jeff Sayers. This has been Starting Now. And I'll see you next time.